0: designed by photographers for photographers. What's up? You are listening to Entrepreneurs, a photography podcast designed to help you manifest your best creative life in self-employment. My name is Mike Blair, and I am your host. And on this show, you're gonna hear practical perspectives on how to improve your freelancing journey. And beyond that, you're gonna hear from other incredible creative professionals about their art, their business, and the lessons that have helped them grow. So thank you so much for joining me. Entrepreneurs starts right now. All right, what is up? Welcome to the 120th episode of Entrepreneurs. I am your host, Michael Durr. Happy to have you joining me today. For those of you who are joining me for the first time, thank you, welcome, first of all. Uh, This podcast is all about shedding light on our business, on our industry, and hopefully in doing so, you will come away with a little bit more clarity and insight into your next steps. You will have the ownership to decide what you wanna do. And today, I wanted to quickly touch on something that is a very real and sometimes highly probable scenario in the photojournalism world, which many of my listeners may actively be pursuing or already in, which is the topic of employment turnover, layoffs, or even worse, the complete dissolution of the platform entirely. Because these things do happen, people all right maybe more often than we care to admit to be honest with you and in my opinion in that reality lies at our feet some form of accountability on our part to one assess our work surroundings and to uh, anticipate the curveballs that might be thrown our way and then three hopefully prepare ourselves for such an unfortunate position if that were to happen and that's what i want to talk about today is not only how do we navigate volatile markets like photojournalism but how do we anticipate How do we pivot? How do we manage the emotions of being let go and seeing our dream position dissolve right in front of our eyes? Now, I can guarantee you that I do not have the answers, but hopefully, at the very least, I can act as a friendly voice to give you some reassurance that things are going to be okay. Now, I wanna take a minute to wax poetic about photojournalism, okay? Photojournalism is an essential pillar in news. It conveys that which simply cannot be expressed By just words. It is a highly creative, but highly truthful medium. And yes, photographers can cross the line of ethics. They can stage scenes and direct people to make the pictures pop. And editors and writers can pair it with inaccurate text or reporting to drive their agenda as well. So, yes, it has the potential to be manipulative or deceitful. But when it is done right, the photography itself is resolute, it is genuine, it is a moment captured in time that is unadulterated by any other influence. And when it is done well, photojournalism can and should be consumed, not just for its earnestness, but also for its artistic brilliance as well. And so I say all of this to highlight my respect, my admiration, and love for great photos made by so many incredible journalists over the years. And my sentiment is not unique. I think it is the reason that most of us get into photography in the first place. But on the flip side, what has been happening to the photojournalism industry over the past decade or so, is also one of the main reasons why many of us are leaving or not getting into photography as well. So the LA Times most recently reported that 74 journalists were to be laid off. Now, I have no idea how many of these highly skilled, highly creative people were photographers versus how many of them were editors or writers, but it's a substantial noteworthy amount of people. Additionally, I pulled up a couple of interesting articles and I'll link them in the show notes as well for you, but I'm going to cite a couple of these. Um, One, according to the Associated Press, annual newspaper revenue slipped from $50 billion in 2006 to $21 billion today, citing a decrease of journalists that were also cut in half from 75,000 to 31,000 in that same time. 360 newspapers have shut down since 2019 And another article states a quarter of all US newspapers have died in 15 years, and at least 1,800 communities that had a local news outlet in 2004 were without one at the beginning of 2020. Now, I did not bring up any of this to be a negative blight on the community, but my gut tells me statistics like this are not given enough attention to, particularly as it pertains to what is being taught or emphasized to young photographers as they come up through college in their photojournalism programs. So in my opinion, arming creatives with the tools to be great photojournalists, while that is a fantastic service in itself, not alerting them to the realities of the industry that they so desperately covet is not just an oversight, but I also think it's a wrongdoing. And I'm confident there are a lot of really good programs out there teaching people the fundamentals of running a business to their students. But I'm not sure if it's the majority, and I'm certainly not sure those lessons are necessarily delivered With the appropriate amount of intensity and urgency as they should be. But even if a program falls short in that capacity, at the very least, they should be inciting conversations with their students about what the profession may ultimately look like when they get into it. And to the core of this episode, my main concern for any creative professional, regardless of their age, is how do you pivot? How do you adjust? How do you prepare for a plan B when all you were ever told was how awesome plan A is? And that is what I think a lot of students are being told that plan A is ultimately foolproof. Why bother even looking at plan B? But I think that does a disservice to so many creatives. You should be told what the other options are out there, what areas will allow you to climb and evolve. Because if you aren't made aware of those things, your recovery from a layoff or your pivot from a contracting industry might be slower, might be less productive, more painful. And ultimately, it's going to be at the root cause of a very negative and cynical attitude and outlook towards the profession. And I am so thankful that the first lesson I ever really received in photography, at least from a business perspective, was from our friend of the show, Todd Bigelow. He was at Sports Shooter Academy. The first time I ever went to a workshop, he gave a one-hour presentation on how to manage your business proactively, because the days of showing up to a newspaper and getting assignments that send you all over the world may be coming to an end, right? Right. So he showed us the numbers of an industry that was clearly declining in budget, was declining in sales, declining in readership. You know, he showed us all the numbers that I basically just read off to you. You know, newspapers are tightening up, magazines are closing down. I believe the big news at that time was the Chicago Sun-Times laid off their entire photo staff, which was nearly 30 journalists, including a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, Additionally, Sports Illustrated also laid off their whole photo staff. So suffice it to say, that got everyone's attention in that audience. Everyone's eyebrows got raised a little bit. And I have no idea if it was received well or with a lot of despair and depression. All I can tell you is how I received it. And all I can remember is having a tremendous, overwhelming feeling of gratitude for the honesty that was being presented to me about the industry that I was trying to enter. And my position might have been a little bit different, right? I was not studying four years of PJ classes only to be told that the industry was dying. I was a blank canvas. So I received that information as very helpful. I wanted my expectations to be set with realistic standards. I wanted to know if this was a healthy industry or an unhealthy industry. I wanted to know what the average salary might be for a full-time photojournalist. I wanted to know how many of those jobs that I was seeking are currently out there and how many of those such jobs would still be available in the next 10 years based off of what we're looking at from the data. So that to me was really empowering information. So I would say I was very fortunate that I had that type of mentorship or messaging right off the bat. I was able to immediately pivot away from newspapers and magazines as the gold standard for my endeavors. And that's not to say everyone should stop shooting for them, but it was an upfront reminder that there will be other more fruitful options for me out there. Now, not everyone's going to make that same choice that I made, and that's okay. And certainly not everyone has the benefit of having someone like Todd in their corner before they get off the ground. Some people are discovering this reality five years in, 10 years in, maybe a whole career length into their journey. This becomes a very big shock to the system, a very hard pivot to make without any foresight. So what do we do? I'm not talking about collecting severance or filing for unemployment or anything related to your prior employment. I'm talking about how do we make the next move after all the dust has settled? You know, What is the self-narrative to assure our egos that everything is going to be okay? Sure, we got laid off, but things are going to be all right, and this is why. So with that being said, I thought I'd give you five basic prompts to help you move forward after a layoff. Okay. After all, I have been fired before. I've lost all my clients before. I have pivoted to new niches. So I have a little bit of experience navigating stress and panic. So here we go. Number one, process the pain, but don't dwell on it. All right. So I've had a few career changing fork in the road dilemmas in my journey. And I would say it's great to allow yourself the time to process what actually happened without dwelling on the potential negativity From it. Processing is good. It's a reflective assessment of what went down, how did it go down, uh, who might be at fault, and what you can learn from it. Dwelling on it, however, is when you beat yourself up over the decisions that you did or did not make that you feel led you down this path. It is a judgment on yourself as a business person or an artist. And that area of thought, though it is natural, though it is arguably a healthy perspective from time to time, I'm not so sure it is overly productive. You have to look at these situations as a company failure and not a personal failure. So give yourself the time to process the change. Understand this did happen and it's okay to experience the emotions that take part with it, but don't dwell on the negativity. You know, as I've been picking up the game of golf again, um, it reminds me of a mantra that I kind of tell myself every once in a while, which is allow yourself to get mad. You're okay to get mad at a bad shot or a shot that you should have hit, but you flubbed or you sent it into the, uh, into the woods, but never get negative, right? Negative really will compound on each hole. Getting angry, getting mad at a shot, that is short-term, you, you process it and you move on. But being negative will just ruin the entire rest of the round. And so that's what I wanna emphasize. Let your emotions be what they're gonna be, but just never get negative. Now, this is gonna lead me to my second prompt, which is to identify what your emotions actually are. And I was talking to a good friend of mine recently. I told him as a freelancer, you know, you learn to navigate uncertainty. It's not always easy, but you learn to dance with it. And the same goes for things like fear or depression, stress, anxiety, shame, you know, all these things. And I'm not saying anyone who freelances automatically becomes an expert on dealing with negative emotions, but just like uncertainty, it becomes a familiar dance partner. The key is identifying what you're going through so that you can get through it. And honestly, a lot of people don't know what they're feeling. They just feel bad. So they just assume it could be a number of things. But if you can properly diagnose what it is that you're experiencing, it becomes easier to fix. Now, maybe you're experiencing a lot at the same time, and that is certainly possible as well. You know, a common scenario for me when I get down is when I'm looking too far back at the mistakes that I've made and also looking too far ahead at the same time. So in by definition, that takes me out of a present mindset because I am vacillating between the past and the future. And while I'm no expert at recentering myself, just knowing when I'm in that mental state actually helps remind me to stop trying to control the uncontrollable. What's done is done. Forgive yourself for not having the crystal ball and predicting that this would happen and let go of the issues that might arise down the road, but clearly have not yet. This is too big of a burden to put on yourself. So identify what your emotions are, label them, name them, and then you can find out how to fix them. All right, so now that we've gotten some of that introspective stuff out of the way, the next part is to rely on your network. Now, I did say I wasn't gonna address the kind of HR type things after you get laid off. Obviously, there's a lot to square away, like what's gonna happen with your health insurance, what's gonna happen to your 401k, your final paychecks, negotiating severance, trying to see how much time you do or don't have to spend your FSA or HSA and all that stuff. So definitely make sure that you talk to your HR reps. They should probably brief you on a lot of this anyways, but just in case they don't, be proactive and talk to your HR department. Furthermore, though, I would try talking with the network of people that you've built at your job to inquire about suggestions for your next step. You know, ask for references, see if maybe the work that you've made on assignment can be carried over to your portfolio or even for licensing. Um, definitely ask for recommendations and even better yet, ask if your former employer could pitch your name out to other connections that he or she has, right? If you've cultivated a good working relationship, people do not want to see you go. They just didn't have the budget to keep you. So understand that distinguishment right there. They'd be more than happy to send you on to someone else, but they need to know that that's what you want. And beyond that, think about your network outside of your industry. So if you need to get back on your feet really quick, Reach out to people on social media, maybe put a blast out there that you're looking for work. Um, I know it's embarrassing sometimes to say, hey, listen, I got laid off, I need some help, but nobody in your circle is celebrating your layoff. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that 100% of them would send you some info if you asked and they had it, right? You just have to get over the shame that you might feel and rely on your network that you've built. Prompt number four is to assess your overall financial picture. Right? So this is a critical one, particularly to my younger audience. You need to know what your cost of living is, what your cost of business is, and ultimately from that, determine how much runway you have financially. Okay? What I mean by that is how long can you live without getting any income. And for those that know this podcast, you know that I preach about saving money for rainy day situations just like this. But understandably, what is done is done. Let's presume that you were blindsided by this layoff and you've got one month of resources before you're in a really tight spot. Okay, knowing how much time you have gives you clarity. If you can only survive one month or one week without a paycheck, all right, you know you gotta punch the clock somehow. Maybe it's picking up a side hustle, maybe it's driving Uber, maybe you gotta sell some stuff, whatever it might be, but you know that you have some urgency just to make rent. Now, if you've got a good leash, like you've got three months, six months worth of leeway there, then you can process what happened in your own time, you can strategize about your next direction, and then you can make decisions that are not nearly as desperate. So the longer you have, the more options you have. That's basically it. The shorter you have, the tighter you're going to have to live, the more urgent you're going to have to act. But start by adding up your monthly expenses. I call them your guts. That stands for groceries, utilities, transportation, and shelter. And then anything else that you consistently contribute to, maybe it's your retirement, maybe it's your health insurance, but know what your cost of living is, know what your cost of business is, and then line that up with your current savings so that you know how much time you actually have. And finally, we're on the fifth prompt, which is to seek jobs that really align with your skill sets. So for example, if photojournalism is your biggest strength and you're not getting bites at other news organizations, for example, then try seeking out event companies, try taking a stab at weddings or seeking out companies who want an authentic brand identity and will appreciate a photojournalistic feel to their photography. Now, here's another idea that I absolutely love. If there are no jobs, if you have the time, try cultivating your own projects. Okay. If you're a photojournalist, you'll find your own story, market that story to other outlets and see if you can license that work. Okay. It may not be full-time employment, but this is the freelance game. It's not easy. You might swing and you might miss on a lot of these options, but that practice is something I admire so much in photojournalists. Who don't just rely on the employer to send them out on an assignment and rather they seek it out themselves and create the assignment. So, those are really good ways of using your skill sets to your advantage. But also, lastly, don't just look at your photographic skill sets as the only assets to bring to the table. Also, remember that you have personal skill sets as well. Okay. I think this gets overlooked so many times when we assess what our actual strengths are. Like most of us, myself included will respond with, uh, I'm really good at candid photos or I'm really good at off-camera flash or I'm really good with the 600. And listen, those are badass skills to have, don't get me wrong, but also consider what soft skills might be assets for you. You know, your personality, your ability to communicate, your attention to customer service. Those are transferable skills and quite possibly more important than your photography portfolio, right? Like I pulled two wedding gigs in the last year, not because I had any portfolio to show, but just because the people who hired me loved my energy. That's it. That's what they made their decision on. So don't overlook the value that you, the person, brings to the table. I have friends who can make anyone laugh. I mean, anyone. It's amazing. I know others who can get people to run through a brick wall for them because they're so motivational. My wife, for instance, has such a unique gift. She is the least intimidating person that I know. And I mean that in a sincerely complimentary way, because she's such a good listener, because she's such an empath, people automatically trust her. You know, they confide in her. They break down in front of her sometimes because she makes them feel safe and free of judgment and shame. So to me, that's her superpower. Now, I don't know exactly how you translate that skill set to attracting new clients per se, but I'm sure there's a way, right? And you should leverage that. The point is you need to see your strengths. And if you don't see your strengths, then you'll never know how and when to leverage them. So all in all, I just wanted to Give my respect and empathy to those who have experienced some heartache in this photojournalism world. Losing a job, it's not easy. No matter what people like me say, it's never a fun experience. But if there is a benefit from it, it's that the sting of it will prepare you for future situations just like this. And if this is the only time you're ever gonna experience it in your life, one, good for you. But then two, please, if nothing else, just follow my first prompt and don't allow yourself to get negative, okay? You can get mad, you can get pissed, you can get bummed out but that is going to be over in short order. Negativity though, will last a very long time if you let it. And that's not good for anyone. So that is my time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, review the show on your favorite platform. Be sure to check us out at entrepreneurspod.com. My name is Michael Durr. Adios for now, folks. Have a great rest of your week.